You're listening to This QPOC Life, a podcast that looks at the world through the lens of a queer person of color. If you're returning to listen, welcome back. How you been? If you're new around here, buckle up because we've got a lot to talk about. As always, I am joined by my fellow receipt keepers, defenders of the realm. Hi, everybody. I'm Carlos Rios. You can catch me online at Fabulo. My pronouns are he, she, they, hers is. And that's it for today. Oh, we're keeping it simple. Yes, basic. Uh, never, never basic. Just simple. Classic. But as a as someone who is never simple, you may call me Joe Lee. That's Joe with no E. And if you need me, that's how you'll find me on the internet now, including Twitch. Um, my pronouns are they, them, theirs, and gin and tonic. Because, honey. <laughs> Do we need them? (laughs) Hey everyone, my name is Zachary Aris. You can find me on the internet everywhere. Um, Just search my name. But also, my pronouns are he, him, and I'm thinking about changing my drag name to FOIA Request. Because I love the Freedom (laughs) of Information app. Oh, I thought you said Goya. I was like, Goya! Oh, you know about that? <laughs> get, out, Goya. get out of here. <laughs> Jesus. Goya away, honey. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm Jonathan, a.k.a. Blasian FMA. My pronouns are he, him, and his. And that's how you're going to find me all over the internet, including Twitch and YouTube. Uh, Blasian FMA. We're all little content creators on here. And we've come together to create this content called The Award Winning This Cupac Life. This Cupac Life. So most of us got the same tempo. Most of us got the same tempo, and then some of us did not. Which Uh, one of us? Zachary Aris. But it's but it's always Zach, so it's fine. (laughs) That's true. When it's wrong, it's wrong. wrong. Strong and wrong. That's great. Uh, So I. So yeah, I mean, here we are. Welcome back. It's middle of the summer. We do this sometimes, and I'm glad that y'all are here with me on the Zoom (laughs) because it's pandemic times. So, um, you know, just real quick around the table, how you been doing? How you been holding up? Great. I I feel lovely. My time slowly incorporating myself back into the real world has been awesome. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I did share on the last time that we actually had a recorded episode that um, I lost my job. And so I'm still looking for work, but things are picking up, which I feel really good about. And I'm actually not really stressed out about it. So that's great. Yeah, I love that, Carlos. I've been doing pretty well. Um, like you, you know, just dealing with 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 quarantine has already comes with its own issues, and and how that's affected me as as a freelancer is a whole different set of issues. But um, I've been keeping in good spirits. Like I, I feel like I finally have a handle on my mental health and keeping myself in uh, a positive uh, headspace. Um, and something unexpected was just like finding out how great building a community on Twitch has been because there are really great people on Twitch, which is so, which is cool and it's awesome. Uh, I'm like a few streams away from hitting affiliate already, 
which means I can start earning earning those coin sides. Like somebody already was like, you need a new webcam. Here's thirty five dollars. I was like, oh, Zach, you said you were great. So I'm going to go ahead and yeah. skip to me. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm fine. It's the same as probably since you've heard me on the last one. I'm just upset that I didn't know oh, he that you're supposed to season hamburger helper. <laughs> because what a discovery. I'm eating hamburger helper right now. And I thought that the, the point of hamburger helper was to, was help, to help the hamburger. hamburger. Well, you thought wrong. <laughs> really, this is a product for whites by whites. And if not to be racist, I apologize about that. Not to be reverse racist. Not to be reverse racist. Sorry to the F6s. But, it, you know, it. honestly, the thing that you are that you have is like paprika, onion powder, if dextrose that. sugar. And then thick and anti-caking agents. And if we know it anything, paprika like doesn't have flavor. So it tastes gel. like cardboard. I'm so mad. Yeah. So you know we've got a pretty exciting interview coming up on this episode uh, with none other than Bob, Bob the drag queen. The drag queen. Roberta Elaine, the drag queen. <laughs> you know we are the little podcast that could. Uh, this interview dropped into my lap, and I passed it along to the rest of the crew and. They were. Very, I was very excited. They were very excited. And special shout out to Stephen Wakabayashi, who has been on the podcast a few times before, who set up that connect. Um, so keep on listening, and we will get into that shortly. Over the last few weeks, and in the middle of a global pandemic, one of the main topics of conversation in these United States has been about racial justice, or has been racial justice. And, you know, it sparked it sparked off by instances that we've all seen or have heard of, including police brutality and violence against George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, uh, Breonna Taylor, Tony McDade, and many others. Black Lives Matter protests have occurred in major cities within the U.S. Uh, within days, every state in the U.S. had at least one protest. Several other international cities held protests in solidarity, including... Uh, Tokyo, of all places, and even K-pop stands have joined in online trolling against the white supremacist hashtags. Now, these actions have been encouraging, yet as I've been following the movement over the last few weeks, I, I can't help but wonder how much of this collective wokeness is real and how much of it is performative. And while we've seen some changes, there's still plenty of work to do. So... I thought it would be important to have a quick discussion about performative wokeness, how to identify it, and what to do if we encounter it. For me, I mean, I think I've mentioned this, and I probably will uh, will probably mention it. I know I mentioned it in the recording that we have later on in the main segment of this podcast. But like for me, it got ridiculous when Gushers and Fruit by the Foot had to tweet out Black Lives Matter. And I'm like, is everybody doing it? And if so, what are they doing to change something? Or is everybody just jumping on a bandwagon? Right. Mm. So I'm like, okay, it's nice that everybody, like, everybody has to feel like they're on the right side of history. But now, like, I hope that in a year I'm not looking back because I will be that petty bitch. And I'll be like, remember in 2020 June when all y'all said that Black Lives... Okay, so show me the receipts. Jonathan, has has there ever been a time in your life when you've had to pull receipts before? Yes. Cool. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and my response to that is, cool. I have an entire Disney vault of receipts 
for a lot of people. Not the and like, Disney vault. With the, Cinderella too, <laughs> right up in there. I uh, hated the Disney. I was thinking about the, that the other day, Carlos. I do not like the Disney the vault system. No, not the vault system. The sequels. The sequels. Oh, they're they're such a trash. trash. Oh no, yeah, they're such money grabs. For it's, sure. it's bad. Like the first, I think the first. Correct me if I'm wrong. The first sequel was Return of Jafar, which you do a lovely cosplay of. But um, oh, thank you. But um, after that, like Lion King 2. Oh, because I was listening to the Lion King soundtrack. And I was like, this is such a beautiful work of art. And then I was like, and then Disney undermined themselves yeah. by making Simba's pride. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I agree. But yes. speaking, speaking of Lion King, did we all see that video of all of those, I guess, Navy choir or something? Uh, that where way. They were all singing the Lion King and it was oh. all these white people, primarily white people. My but I God. think it kind of it kind of goes back to what we're talking about in terms of like being super performative, right? I mean, I think for them it's not necessarily that, but um, in some instances, how it comes across, right, yeah. or how we are interpreting it is like super cringy, right? I, um, you know, I know a number of us have had an opportunity to be part of the protests that have happened over the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. uh, and you know and that includes myself, and I can tell you that. You know, it's hard to judge people's intentions or understand what people's intentions are, but you can, you know, and I think all of us as people of color have had to gauge people's reactions and energies in a very specific way because we have to do that as a survival mechanism. And so I I distinctly remember that, like, while there were a lot of people who I think were there for the right reasons and there because they, they wanted to be part of the change... I definitely felt a little bit of what I like to call Coachella energy and people kind of like taking a lot of selfies and stuff like I took pictures and stuff, but I didn't even feel comfortable posting those photos like they were more photos for me like to document this moment in this time and this history that's happening Mm -hmm. and not for like social media or for likes or I don't know. That's how I felt about it personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm curious if any of you have other thoughts about that or if you've experienced any of that, if you've had an opportunity to be out there or to see some of the stuff online. I mean, I've, I've peeped many an Obama Facebook cover with Black Lives Matter frames around profile pictures on Facebook. And uh, at those, I say, okay, honey. Sure. Because right. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's so, especially on the internet, it's so easy to, to perform activism um and and what's happening now is that you don't have to look very far to to see whether or not people's intentions are pure Mm -hmm. um especially you know considering okay you've got this brand that brand and that brand all coming out in favor in support of black lives matter but they're all just supporting their bottom lines Mm -hmm. because if they don't say something people are gonna are going to come out and correct it so like who, who do we actually trust? And it's just like, I love that the open your purse meme has been going around because if if you're going to say something and you've got mm-hmm. m- a million dollar corporation behind you, it's time to put your money where your mouth is. And what I hope yeah. happens is that this, that it's not just this one point in time where people are just like, okay, that was reparations. Like, nope. Basically, that's what they're going to try. Go ahead, Zach. Well, I mean, like like JoJo's point about about the money and the bottom line and this investment now, I, I think 
right now, it is very difficult for your bosses and for corporations to take active steps against diversity and inclusion. It reflects very poorly on them if that's ever found out. So I think what's important is that to everyone is to seize on this moment. Like we're in a recession, but all of a sudden, all of these pocketbooks started opening for DNI investment. Mm-hmm. And right now yeah. is the time to use it. So I think if you're in these situations where if you're at a company that doesn't have a DNI committee or you're thinking about starting one or there's been pushback in the past, right now is the moment that you like we we talked about it when we were on like Aaliyah's podcast, like or uh, Viva Aaliyah is like your lived experience makes you the manager with DNI, you are the leader with it. So seize on that moment and be the leader. Um, you have this experience, your white colleagues do not, and you can be the change and take these funds, take this money and put it to where it should go. And also if they're looking for, you know, quote unquote, professional opinions and support about inclusion and diversity to build on Zach's point, guess what? You work there, you are the professional. Let them try to say something now. Yep. Well, speaking of um, your white colleagues, what about those allies that are white that um, think that they, just because they say Black Lives Matter or because they say they're on the right side of history, they're and they think that that automatically makes them an ally and they don't even take the time to self-crit their own problematic behavior. So that when you call them out on it, they run away from the conversation or right. cut cut it short. That's yeah, white I fragility, mean, I think. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's totally white fragility. And I think it's it's not true allyship. And I think we've we've talked a little bit about this before in other episodes. And you know, what we're looking for no longer is just passive allies who are gonna stand back and say these pretty words. Like we need actions and we need consistent doing the work for all of us if we want to move away from saying i'm just not racist like that's easy that's easy to say um anyone the people that are racist say that they're not racist um what what we're trying to strive for is being actively anti-racist which requires consistent work consistent evaluation and actually advocating for that change both within ourselves and others so uh, to to that i would say it's 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 fake it's not real or you, you we will you know the bible tells us that we will know people by their fruit right and so if you see the fruit mm. of that then it's it's not real yep mm. you said and, you heard it here first right and I, I think that you encapsulated that just like so perfectly carlos because it's it's frustrating especially when you when you catch people on being a fake ally yep. <laughs> yeah. because they're like what what do you mean what do you mean but and you you literally have to point it out but then you know like it was bad enough just pointing out that people are are racist but now it's like no hun you are still racist right mm-hmm. you just th- thought you knew better but I mean, we've now all, you're not willing to do the homework to actually do better? Like, come on. We've all heard it. Like, some people got to get fired. Oh, it's true. Oh, Very true. It's a sad fact of life. <laughs> God bless well, the Anfield work. Hello. Thank you. Big shout out to our uh, sibling podcast, Topics Include. 
Well, now that we've had a chance to understand what is performative, I thought it'd be good to talk about being a performer and how one can be a performer and also an activist. So after the break, we'll be having a very special interview with Bob the Drag Queen, somebody who uses comedy and drag artistry to draw attention to social issues. We'll be right back. With the current civil unrest that kicked off the summer, in the wake of yet another episode of police brutality resulting in the murder of yet another black person, we have seen everyone, and I do mean everyone, stepping up to say the words, Black Lives Matter. And while a lot of people are fascinated with the impact that the movement seems to now be having, there are those of us who are a bit skeptical, especially when you have brands like Gushers and Fruit by the Foot telling you that they're dedicated to change. And it's not just brands, uh, theaters, insurance agencies, banks, hair salons, grocery stores, nonprofit organizations, choirs, and corporations in the private sector are all jumping on board. Words are nice, but we're looking for commitments. So today we wanted to open up a conversation to talk about performance, commitment, and allyship and how all three of those things are intersecting at a time when doing the right thing should be so obvious, and yet so many people are still getting it wrong. Mm. So our special guest today needs no introduction, but we are gonna give her one anyway. From her starring role on HBO's Critics' Choice nominated hit series, We're Here, to MTV's Drag My Dad, and now to her new stand-up comedy special, Live at Caroline's on iTunes. Some of you may know her as Kitten with a Whip, but others may know her as RuPaul's Drag Race Season 8 Champion. Everyone, please help me welcome Bob the Drag Queen! Oh! Yay! He means like the three people who know me as Kitten with a Whip. Oh, oh we're two of them! Just Zach and two I people to watch are you. on the chat. At on 24th with, Street, girl, R.I.P. It was so With good. Frosty Flakes, like, yes. sisters... <laughs> yes. Oh, all the time. <laughs> oh my God. We're a New York based podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I mean, even as for a New York based podcast, that was a show with like 12 people a week. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like everyone in New York City was showing up to showing the roads. <laughs> well, I, I line it. up the door. <laughs> I appreciate it. Of course. And thank you so much for being here today. Of course, my pleasure. So, Bob, back on season eight, we saw you speak uh, about your drag weddings in Times Square. So you've been involved in protests for a long time. Uh, yeah, do you yeah. I, well, I mean, I, when I moved to New York City, I, you know, started really getting in, getting into my queerness. And um, because when I lived in Georgia, I was really just hanging out with like a bunch of like straight people um, because I was really not well-received in the theater program that I was a part of. Mm. That's because I was a really messy queen and they didn't want anything <laughs> to do with me. In their defense, I was a disaster. <laughs> but, um, but straight people are a mess anyway, so I was welcome with them. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, oh, you're just like us. Come on over. Um, and then when I got to New York City, I was cleaning up my life and cleaning up my act and getting involved in more queerness. And then I ended up somehow getting involved with this. I don't even remember how. Actually, I think my friend Frosty introduced me to this group called Queer Rising because we had decided, me, Frosty Flakes, this queen named Azrea, 
decided to start Drag Queer Weddings for Equality. And then through our activism, we got connected with Queer Rising. And that was how we started getting arrested and stuff like that. Mm. All right. Well, you know, shout out to one of the OGs in this (laughs) new wave of, uh, you know, everyone jumping on board which is kind of where we're going uh especially well, when i, I asked this an og job. no i don't you know i'm talking about like <laughs> new wave with, with noted, <laughs> noted stonewall veteran Bob <laughs> speaking of which spe- like i was lady bunny and rupaul's age like i was like, i was in new york in the 80s like, no no, no. <laughs> i'm just talking about in the context of like how everybody nowadays seems to be jumping on the bandwagon which leads me into my next question like do you feel like now is a different time? Do you feel like now, as everyone is saying, Black Lives Matter, and I'm not talking about just black folks, but the f- same folks who were kind of on the fence, like, I don't know if this is a terrorist organization or not. But like now everybody is like, say, like brands, corporations, like, is it different this time? Well, it's so interesting, the idea of saying Black Lives Matter and then I'm intrigued by people's uh, desire to debate that. And I'm like, well, I, I feel like if someone says Black Lives Matter, you have an adverse reaction to it. I think you need to uh, in, like investigate what's going on in your own life, that your gut instinct is to debate whether or not Black Lives Matter. And of course, I'm sure a lot of folks would say, I'm not debating whether or not Black Lives Matter but they really want someone to stand up for like white rights for whatever reason. I mean, there's this, this new um, really menacing clip going around a reporter asking Donald Trump why, um, why blacks are still being killed by the cops. And then Trump's response is white people too, white people too. And I think that is very telling of where America is right now. On the subject of, of Black Lives Matter, you are also part of a movement amongst some of your your fellow RuPaul sisters for Black Queens Matter. And it feels like it's been 84 years since lockdown started. And right before COVID started dominating everybody's story, you were starring in Nubia alongside Bibi and Peppermint, Monique, the Vixen, and Shay, and just celebrating the excellence and the richness of Black drag. So why do you feel that it's so important to advocate for an all-Black drag show? Well, for me, it harkens back to to the saying, representation matters. Mm -hmm. It goes to the point where we hear a lot of these things, and we've been hearing them so many times, they kind of just bounce off your head. Mm -hmm. But once you actually let it seep into your brain and what that means, um, you know, when I saw BB's Harbonnet on TV, I remember Mm -hmm. thinking to myself, oh my goodness, it's like I'm seeing myself on TV. And when she won Drag Race, it felt like I won Drag Race. It, you know, it mm-hmm. felt like, do you remember when Obama became president and how, like, it felt like we all became president? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and that is a key, that is a key representation, a key idea of what I mean by representation matters. So hopefully there's someone out there seeing me and BB and Pep and Shay and Monique, um, who are the core members of uh, Nubia on that stage. And thinking to themselves, if these people can be on stage being cheered and adored for all the things I've been told were negative attributes about myself, then maybe I deserve that as well. Thank you for that. Yeah. So I wanted to dovetail. I feel like every time I talk, I don't know how old you all are, but do you remember back in the day? 18. When <laughs> 18 all, tell, tell another one, Zach. Tell another one. <laughs> 
Do y'all remember back on the day when TRL, they would have all these videos and mm-hmm. then the videos would play and then after each clip, everyone would be like, woo! <laughs> Except this one video. There was one video that would play and after the video, no one would make a noise and then uh, Carson Daly would just be like, and uh, I guess we'll be back for commercial. It was the video Stand by Eminem. And oh. everyone, <laughs> everyone went crazy no matter what video it was. But then when Stan finished playing, the room was just quiet, and because it was a, it was about um, trigger warning. This is a trigger mm-hmm. warning for anyone. It was a, uh, about uh, stalking and mm-hmm. suicide, and no one felt comfortable cheering after the video. So on this podcast, whenever I talk, I feel like they just finished playing Stan on TRL. <laughs> so sorry for that. <laughs> no, um, we're all we're all just very deep thinkers, and we're just yeah. like absorbing what mm-hmm. you're saying. There's so. also a delay that Zach just yeah. cracked before you got here because uh, Carlos had to go to the ladies' room, and I said I got a meeting in the ladies' room, and then somehow Zach <laughs> knew the delay and like sang harmony with me. I was like, what the hell? So we're kind of blown away by that too. We're just like, <laughs> go off, Zach. Go off. Thank what? you. If if we don't bring up climax at least one time during an episode, we haven't really done it right. So, are, are we living our Tupac best lives? I don't think so. No. That's a good question. That is, yeah. that is. So, I wanted to take a minute to, you know, we're talking a little bit about performance, and I wanted to dovetail that into talking a little bit about your comedy special, which is Bob the Drag Queen live at Caroline's, which is now available on iTunes. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you. Now, I watched it this morning. Oh, I had a quick question for you. I did watch it this morning. And first of all, I was laughing in the park like a crazy person on my phone watching it. Um, And one thing that stuck out to me, Bob, was that during your routine, you discussed issues of inequality in America. And you did a call to action for people who had privilege um, to be allies whenever marginalized people were speaking up. So tell me a little bit about your whole process and how important it was for you to weave activism into that performance. Well, it's really interesting because I don't really see it. And thank you for that question, Carlos Rios. I like using everyone's first and last name when I'm like, it feels like (laughs) thank you, Carlos Rios. Um, It doesn't feel like I'm like intricately weaving in some, you make it sound like there's like some, it's like I'm trying to sneak in some, some books. (laughs) <laughs> like I will make you, you know, learn. <laughs> and it's not that sinister. It's just that um, that really is where my uh, comedy comes from. You know, I will say comedy does come from pain for me. I'm sure for someone else it comes from some other spot. But a lot of my comedy does come from either absurdism or or pain, and me finding a way to cope with a lot of the issues that I have and. I also look at the comedians that I really love and it doesn't feel like there's some intricate weaving. Like when I watch Chris Rock, it doesn't, and Chris Rock did this whole bit about what it's like to be black in America. And I don't know if y'all remember, it's his uh, special Never Scared. And it's about how at one point he felt like he could play anywhere and then with violence and things going up and up and up it just feels like black kids just hopping in a circle left to right Mm because at first it was like you can go from that block to that block that house to that house this corner to this corner and by the end it's just the one kid hopping in a circle um but it never felt like i was being preached at um and i Mm -hmm. hope that that's the message i sent across in in my special as well like trying to find a way or when richard Pryor or wanda sykes uh you know weave uh politics into their comedy so brilliantly um 
I I hope to embody a little bit of that in my own art. Well, I don't want to um, I don't want to spoil anything about it. Uh, even it's it's out now. But I just want to say while we're talking about weaving, you weaved something from my childhood into the story of the overall arc of your special, and it was the thing about this is not. It's the it's an audio podcast, so the listeners can't see. So I'm not really spoiling it that bad. But that and it got me to thinking about like cultural things. So I grew up. So I'm when people ask me like where I'm from, I, it's all over the place. I grew up in California, but I also grew up in Mississippi from like teenager to right before moving to New York. Just as an aside, because we're making good on time right now. I asked on Facebook and social media the other like about two weeks ago. I was like, if you're doing something exceptionally well and someone throws a shoe at you. What does that mean? And I can't believe the fact that a lot of people, including black folks, did not know that that was a compliment. Yeah, yeah, you're doing a good job, yeah. The people were like, that's disrespectful, they hate you. And I'm like, what? Wait, people didn't know about a that? Lot a lot, a lot, a lot of, people of people didn't know. And I was like, maybe it's because it's like a Southern, like Southern Kojic thing then, I guess. I don't know. Who just said a lot of people? Who said that? Was that you that said a lot of people? Yeah. Have you seen that video of um, Adam Ray OK? Or he goes, a lot of people here would be scared. A lot of people <laughs> A lot of people here would be scared. A lot of people. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think like um I I really was connected to the special that way and like, you know, I just thank you for making it. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, I was as I was saying before, I got weirdly muted out of nowhere. Um I was raised in the South. In like uh, Columbus, I was raised all over. I don't know why we were moving so much because my mom is. I'm not in my family's not in the military, so it makes it seem like we were like some military family. But I was raised in Columbus, Georgia, uh, Lagrange, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, Phoenix City, Alabama, and Corinth, Mississippi. <gasps> what? Yes, I grew up in Walnut, Mississippi. Oh, not Walnut. Yeah, I'm from Alcorn County. So I went to your Walmart, and we're basically the same age. This is so weird. We would go to your Walmart Supercenter to go shopping. Well, well, Kareem uh, 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 used to have two Walmarts, a Walmart and a Walmart Supercenter, which is so funny, a town that small to have two Walmarts. Right. And I went there last year during May. That traffic is worse than here on 72. I'm like, what are they doing? Anyway, we're getting off. Subject. I mean, well, it's, 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 the, it's the Walmart for the area. So when you have all these little small towns coming together trying to visit the Walmart, which also in current Mississippi, that's what you do for fun. You go to Walmart, I remember. And the Malco movie theater. You go to, yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> I used to go to uh, East Car Rent, which is now a recreational center. It's not even a school. <laughs> it's not even a school anymore. It's the building so old. Um, but yeah, me and my aunts went to the same elementary school. Anyway, we're, we 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 are excluding. Uh, uh, Sorry, y'all. Two thirds of your uh, two two four three fourths of your. Honestly, I'm just I'm just surprised. I thought it was Walmart's. <laughs> <laughs> Targets, Walmart, we love, Kroger's. We love an unnecessary s. Well, it depends on where you are, because in parts of the South, it's Walmart. I'm out of here. Well, speaking of places that you have grown up, Bob, that also tends to be a point of contention between you and your co-host on your podcast, Sibling Rivalry. Uh, you and Monet seem to get into a fun discussion about that all the time. I'm a big fan of your podcast. Um, you. And obviously, as, as fellow podcasters, you know, this QPUC Life, we've been on, uh, we just wrapped our third season 
I believe you've started or re- are in the middle of your third season with Monet. Um, I wanted to get a sense from you. How, what do you do to keep your episodes fresh? Like, what's your approach there? Well, me and Monet um, aren't like we we don't have to um, drum up the drama between us. That really is how we talk to each other all the time. Mm-hmm. We're just we're just messy queens. We really are messy, messy queens. And I don't know what Monet's issue is with me. (laughs) Like, for example, and I'll say it here for anyone to know, if you are from Atlanta, you know that Atlanta is not like New York City. Atlanta is mostly suburbs. Everyone in Atlanta lives in the suburbs. So Atlanta has a population, the greater Atlanta area has a population of about 5 million people, while Atlanta proper has like 300,000. So basically... 470,000 people live in the suburbs of Atlanta. Um, 400 million, no, 4 million, 700,000 people live in that math. 4 million, 700,000 people live in the suburbs of Atlanta. And Monet has a hard time being like, are you from Clayton County or are you from Atlanta? And I'm like, I'm from Clayton County, which is a suburb of Atlanta, which is considered Atlanta. It's like being from, it's like, it's actually not like, it's like being from Brooklyn. It's not like being from Staten Island, which is all the way out there. Which is another world. Yeah, it's more like The land that time forgot. Exactly. It's, (laughs) It's more like Manhattan is Atlanta and the suburbs are like Brooklyn, Bronx, and Queens, except there's more of them. And Except in this scenario, no one lives in Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> Last month, you and Peppermint teamed up to create uh, the Black Queer Town Hall, a virtual event and roundtable discussion featuring Laverne Cox, Alex Newell, and plenty more. Uh, around that time, the Chicago Black Dra- Drag Caucus and the Philadelphia Black Queer Burlesque community both had town halls about specific venues and performing arts organizations, some of which all of us are a part of here in New York. So that being said, is New York going to have one of these things? Because we know some folks that could be called to the table. Well, New York did like drop a letter around. Um, I did see a letter going around. It was it was not like a black. Um, it wasn't a. It wasn't spearheaded by uh, members of the black community, but there are members of the black community involved in it. And it was um, calling for justice, um, um, gender equity, um, trans equity, and racial equity in the New York City Mad Life scene. Mm. Hmm. But if there is a black one going around, I, I didn't, I didn't see that one, but I did see this other one that was like, mm. and, I, and they haven't dropped it yet. So like it, it's now um, these now these open letters are like uh, mixtapes. Everyone's just waiting for it. Right. <laughs> everyone's waiting for the letter to drop. When's, when's the next one? Yeah, um, exactly. I wonder, on that grape juice. Right. right. <laughs> I just, I wonder if there's any differences then between, like, I wonder, that the question that I kind of have is like, well, if Philly's doing it, right? Philly's not very far from here and Chicago's doing it. And Chicago's also it's the third largest city in the United States now. Uh, probably on its way to fourth after the census. But, um, you know, what's different about New York that we're not seeing that sort of same level of that accountability or that push for accountability? Is there anything you can think about? Child, because we got Broadway. I mean, well, I know that the Broadway community, a lot of my friends who are probably like, Carlos, you have such a lovely voice. Oh, um, thank a lot you. Of people in the, it's just so nice. It's, it sounds so nice to hear. I would, I would love, like, if that was the voice of, like, a parent 
waking me up in the morning. <laughs> like a mindfulness app. Carlos. Good morning, Bob. I hope you're having a great day. Here's what's on your calendar. Yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. You should do like I would I would like for you to be the voice of my like the okay Google on my phone. Like I want I, you to sign me up, sis. I'm in. <laughs> um but I, I don't know why New York City like so the black community in Broadway, which I'm not a Broadway actor, but a lot of my friends are Alex Newell, Peppermint, Keisha Carr, um, are in the black are in the black Broadway community and they're like, oh, you know, a, a reckoning is coming. And I love the idea that like I said it in my special, like how like straight people were afraid of queer people for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And now there's like this <laughs> this fear of like don't say anything sideways at black people. Um, and I personally love it. Like, I think it's healthy. I think that um, white folks got a little too comfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know if any of you all had the experience, but like, if you have like a white friend, this only happened when I was young. No adults have done this. But a white friend who like tries to do different renditions of the N-word around you to see, like, to kind of test the waters oh, with yeah. you and see how you feel about people saying the N-words. Oh, Michelle like, Visage, yeah. Yeah, it, it'll, it'll, <laughs> yeah. It'll, it'll start with, the, wait, did Michelle Visage do that? Did I, did I, did I miss something? All the time, whenever they, whenever they do those runways and they always say, what'd you call me? It's it's those jokes. Oh, but it's even more than that. It's like, what I would know is like, like you'd be with your friend then like um, a song would come on and they'd be like, Nizzle. And they like, oh, yes. like look at you. Like, <laughs> they gotta oh, do that. Right, well, next time I'll go a little bit further. Then two weeks later, uh, a DMX song. I'm aging myself. A DMX song comes on, and they're like, you know, X gonna give it to you. It's gonna give it to you. What niggas give it to you? And they kind of <laughs> look at you. And they're like, slip it in. And then it's like, okay, well, that, so I'm like, I'm like, what is the end goal here? Like, like. Uh, fucking glory role play. Like I don't know what the end game is <laughs> in this scenario. Um, you know. Yeah, you give them an inch and they'll take a mile. Honestly, the story of white people. The story <laughs> or the of world. White. Girl, girl, white so, people are crazy. They lost their minds collectively. Uh, yes. As someone who's half white and half crazy, I I fully identify <laughs> identify with that. So, <laughs> so Bob, you have an MTV show, an HBO show, a logo show, a podcast, your own stand up comedy special. But I wanted to ask, what's next for Bob? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I have two Viacom shows. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them, tell them. No. I also have the the Pit Stop is my other Viacom show. I think that as of right now, I've been working on um, writing. I actually started like a couple of summers ago. I started writing, not literally last summer. Why am I saying a couple of summers ago? Last summer, I started writing this musical that I was, um, Mm -hmm. that I have been having in my head a long time. I started writing this musical called Harriet Tubman Live in Concert. Okay. Um, and, it's, and the idea is kind of like uh, Harriet Tubman is releasing um, her first album. And in, in this album, she chronicles her life. Um, and it's kind of like if Hedwig were written by Lin Manuel Miranda, 
uh, that kind of essence. So I've been working on writing and, and uh, the opportunity to be able to create art um, or for, but not just for myself, but also for like, other people as well. Like I love the idea of like uh, producing work specifically that other queer people of color can like thrive in. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> no, uh, Bob, thank you for joining us today, first and foremost. This was incredible. Oh, it's my pleasure, Zach. It's my pleasure. <laughs> what is this headband? Can you lean close? Oh, the headband? Like, the listeners can't see a uh, work. Well, I mean, Carlos and I wanted to wanted we to wanted match. We wanted to match. Yeah, so we... I'm wearing mine around my, as a neckerchief. And then the rest of us were in, like, semi-solidarity with the black shirts. Mm-hmm. And I'm over here in bright yellow. That's okay. <laughs> it's you're because the you're the star. We're we're the backup singers. Shining, <laughs> like, a, shining like a star. I also have not shaved my armpits the entire point. Uh, <laughs> so you're not a woman. <laughs> there it is. Me and my fucking... Harry armpits, or am I broadening the definition of what it is? To hey, there you go. The that sounds better. <laughs> setting right. impossible, setting more impossible beauty standards for women with my right. armpit hair. <laughs> now, speaking of impossible beauty standards, everyone, you can catch Bob's incredible stand-up comedy special, Bob the Drag Queen, live at Caroline's, out now on iTunes. Buy your copy ASAP and get some coins into this woman's purse. But first, stay tuned for more This Cupac Life after a short break. Thank you so much to our very special guest, Bob the Drag Queen. Please do make sure you go to that iTunes store and you download that comedy special. It is that comedy special is amazing. Has you so good. Like just I it it will be money well spent. Trust. Like not even saying that just to be saying that because they were a guest. Like I watched it and I was like, this is the same love. I'm so happy to see a queer black person doing the same level of production that you see when you watch a Netflix comedy special by whoever mm-hmm. your favorite is, whether it's Margaret Cho yep. or Dave Chappelle or whoever. Well, Margaret yep. Cho's basically queer. POC. Bob the drag queen. Ah! Oh. <laughs> yeah, Margaret Cho and Bob the, the drag queen before. are basically. Girl, don't let her catch wind of this. <laughs> And with that, you all, our time together comes to a close. Again, special thank you to Bob the Drag Queen and to our our uh, new recurring co-host, Ashley. We, we know you're going to hear more from Ashley in the future. And uh, as always, I'm Jolie. I'm Zach. I'm Carlos. I'm Jonathan. And this is the, the award-winning... award-winning. This Cupac Life. 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 This episode of This Cupac Life was recorded from the comfort of our own homes in downtown Brooklyn, Southern Brooklyn, (laughs) Southern Brooklyn again, 
Crown Heights, right? Who lives in downtown Brooklyn then? Well, I yeah, I said it at first because I was like, oh, someone's no, no one lives there. Uh, um, and uh, the Manhattan. So music and editing is by Joe Lee. Let us know what you think about this episode at This Cupac Life on social media, or leave a comment on our website www.thiscupac.life. If you enjoyed the show, please share us with your friends. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We might even give you a shout out. Thank you for being a part of this QPOC family. In the comments below, vote, do you season your ground beef when you make hamburger helper? <laughs> <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. Uh...